All right. Well, it was quite the weekend for Syracuse Athletics. Lots to discuss on the pod this week. The battle for Atlantis is coming, but first, gosh, we got to talk about that basketball game today because oh boy. That was an unexpected one for Syracuse basketball. All things Syracuse and Colgate today. How concerned are we about the Orange after that loss? 100 to 85. We'll dive into that next on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every single weekday. Tim Leonard, Tyler Aki, happy you could join us today. And today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. But we're talking basketball today. We'll probably dive into some football thoughts throughout the week because there's plenty to discuss on that front as well. But the unexpected You get shades loss. of the, the trip to New York City from a couple of years ago. You get shades from that this past weekend. Women's basketball goes down to Atlantis and loses. Basketball mm-hmm. loses. Football loses a big game. I mean... Ooh, Tough time rough. to be John Wildhack, yeah. right? Like uh-huh. banner day for him the other day. I, It's just tough times right now. And look, it's early for men's basketball. We can get into how concerned we are about this performance. But in general, I was a little more concerned about the team at the start of the season, I think, than most because of the defense and because of the rebounding. And it's a flawed team in that regard. And Colgate exposed those flaws very well, despite getting down 17 to two. That's the part that I can't wrap my head around. The fact that they scored whatever it was, 95 points in the final 27 minutes of this game and get to a hundred after spotting Syracuse 15 points right out of the gate. They missed their first 12 threes and then managed to somehow shoot about 40% from three point range. Here's what the the frustrating part to me is. Obviously losses suck, right? And this is one that, it felt like you had in hand. Like you could have screenshotted from the score from the early portions of the first half. And you thought, okay, you're going to run away with this one with the way that Syracuse played in the first five minutes, both offensively and not so much defensively, but Colgate was missing shots. And we see teams come up against the zone and miss shots. And for them to just pull away in the fashion that they did down the stretch was unbelievably disheartening because you can look at this box score all you want. All right. 85 points, that's a pretty good mark, right? I mean, you're, you're pretty pleased with the offense. Obviously, could have been better. I think people are still waiting for Cole Swider to finally break out. But you yeah. had lofty, lofty expectations for the offense. And in this game, they did fine, all right? 85 points is going to win you 95% of the games you play in. This just happened to fall in the, the other 5%, and it's because the defense let you down in such an extreme, extreme way. Right, and shout-out to our buddy Anthony DeBundo because he had a funny tweet sort of summarizing my thoughts. I think he said, Syracuse basketball, they are who we thought they were. That's just sort of how I think about this game because I know Colgate is a tough matchup against the zone. I also think Colgate, if anything, was underrated going into this game. I understand that when you say 54-game losing streak snapped by Colgate against Syracuse, it's a little misleading because Colgate's a legit team. They almost beat NC State. I've usually been higher on Colgate than most, but at the same time, they lost to Cornell pretty bad earlier in the week. And look, they came out and they spotted us 15 points right out of the gate, and Syracuse still, 
despite being in what was a fight for the entire second half, making some adjustments, understanding that they were in a fight, could not stop them on defense, no matter what they did. And that's the problem here. This zone is not quick. It's not athletic. And yes, Colgate was a tough matchup, but who's a good matchup for us? Because if you're a big team, you get rebounds against us. If you're a small team, you can shoot probably. So I just don't know how this zone improves much from what we're seeing. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily an improvement thing. I don't expect to see a team go out there and shoot 42% from three on 43 attempts again this season. I just don't, all right? Teams just in general are not that good of shooters. You can have a couple guys here and there, but to have, what was it, three guys in this game make at least three pointer, three three-pointers, you're not going to see that every single game. You might see one or two guys hurt you with five or something like that, but I don't think we're going to see a team shoot this well from three. Again, we kind of warned people about these games that they would be coming at some point. There's going to be games where the defense lets down because of the fact that the teams are going to get hot from three. That was the perfect summation of what happened here for Colgate. They got hot from three. No one this the rest of the season is going to shoot 42% on 43 attempts. But they were open, right? Like, it's not like these three. And even some of the ones they missed out of the gate, Jack Ferguson had an odd game because he comes out just chucking from long range. But right. with the exception of Ferguson, he was the one that would shoot it from like four or five feet beyond the line. And they tried to get out on him. There was one play where he kind of flopped in the second half and got a foul because it was very clear that Syracuse made an adjustment to make sure that Ferguson was the guy that they really need to push out on because he will chuck it. And I'll give Colgate credit. They're, they had great ball movement, all that. They're a very good spot-up shooting three-point team. We mentioned that in the preview podcast, how Synergy does that stat, and they're one of the best in the country last year. And all those guys were so ready to shoot quick releases, but they were open, and they missed some open threes as well. So the whole notion of teams aren't going to shoot a lot of threes against Syracuse, I think is a little overblown. Beheim said that post game. He said teams are going to shoot 35 to 40 threes against us. And I don't know why they wouldn't because a lot of these are open threes. Yeah. I, I just don't think the quality of, of player in, at the collegiate level, like if you're going up against an NBA team with NBA caliber shooters, yeah, they're going to burn the hell out of you because if you leave them that open, they'll shoot 60 to 70% from three. But I just don't think college shooters are that good. You're, they're going to miss their fair share the rest of the way. So more teams are going to shoot 40, 45 threes against Syracuse. Fine. So be it. Okay. But I don't expect them to go out there and make almost 23 pointers in a game. I expect that number to be closer to 12 to 15. Right. But as much as Colgate is a good three point shooting team, I guess my concern stems back to the Drexel game a little bit as well. And Beheim talked about that. He said, this was basically the Drexel game. It's just, we went up in competition and Colgate can hit those shots. And I never really got why after we beat Lafayette, who's looked really bad since we beat him, I'm not saying they were supposed to be good or anything, but then we beat Drexel in a game that was tight at halftime and our defense looked bad for a half that everyone was sort of buying in on the defense off of those two games. And it felt like this type of defense is just what we're going to be seeing for the rest of the season. That's at least my take on it, because when I watch back the game and there were some plays that I tweeted out where Jimmy Beheim, one play in particular, is just not very quick to close out. I don't see a lot of things. There are a couple of things that obviously rotations and stuff, they'll clean up and it's new faces. But at the same time, it's the personnel that they have out there that concerns me long-term because they don't have the athleticism or the quickness that they normally have in a 2-3 zone. Yeah, and the thing is, is there's a mismatch too. Like if you want Samir Torrance out there because he's a much better defensive player than the guys you have at the top in Jimmy or Buddy, 
well, your offense is going to take a significant step back. And I, I think another thing that, that's been somewhat concerning is, is offensively, there hasn't been that third guy that's really emerged. I mean, Jimmy played all right in this game, but I don't know how far this team can go if Jimmy Beheim's going to be your third scorer. I think everyone thought it was going to be Cole Swider, not just your third scorer. He was going to be your second scorer. But in reality, Joe Girard's been fantastic. I mean, he played a hell of a game. We do have yeah, to tip he was our great. cap there. He was good offensively. Um, he he got some rebounds as well for this team. But there needs to be, I think this is the early portion of, you have to find the right lineups and rotations. And I think that's something that when you've got so many new players, Bayheim's kind of sifting through right now. And who knows? Maybe this is a look-ahead game. Maybe their minds were already on vacation and looking forward to Atlantis. Okay, this was honestly probably a tough spot for them no matter what. But I, I just think that when you look at this Syracuse team, it's one game. Okay, that, that's the best part about it. It's one game, one game in November. This isn't yep. going to determine your NCAA tournament fate. You just can't let it snowball and, and turn into three, four games by the end of December. You just can't. Right. And I agree. I'm usually not the guy to overreact to one game. I do think the idea that it, they were looking ahead to the Bahamas I just don't really buy into that one as much because they got off to a 17 to two start. And then in the second well, maybe, half, it was here's very what I'm clear. Saying. When you are up 17 to two, that's when your mind probably makes the flip. Say, okay, we're going to the Bahamas next. Sure. But then you go into the locker rooms down three and you're thinking, okay, this is what happened against Drexel. Now they'll flip a switch. Now they'll do what they need to do. Make those adjustments. They'll prove that they're a better team. The entire second half, they're given all the effort. They understand it's a fight, and they got off to the good start that they needed to. So if it's a fluke game or if it's a look-ahead game, I feel like it's Colgate coming back from down 10 late or Colgate getting off to a better start. I just felt like the way that Syracuse was pretty much in a fight with Colgate for the entire second half, and Colgate just happened to have answers and play a little bit better than them in that second half makes me more worried about it. Yeah, I'm still not worried. I'm not hitting any sort of panic button. It's one game. We'll see what happens in Atlantis. I think Atlantis is where you'll see what the defense really is because you're going to go up against quality opponent after quality opponent. And if it really struggles there, especially in the, the sort of tournament-style format where you're playing a new team every single day and there's very limited time to prepare for the, for the Syracuse 2-3 zone, okay, well, this is where we'll see what the defense is because with limited prep, if you go up with limited prep against this defense and tear it to shreds, then yeah, this is what the defense is going to be. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, we'll take a quick break. Uh, talk about prize picks a little bit. If you're a college football fanatic, have you heard about prize picks? They are daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you guys will too. Prize picks is the leader in college sports daily fantasy, and they offer more college football props and basketball props now than anyone in the world. Any kind of player, whether it's Power 5, whether it's mid-major, they have it on their website. It's really fun to do, and it's kind of the only place to do these games. All new users that deposit and use our promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 just by using our promo code, which is locked on all one word, to get that 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Basically, you pick two to five players on an over-under on their projection. And you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's a lot of fun. It's just you versus the projected numbers. It's safe. They offer fast withdrawals, and entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is very easy to use. Don't hesitate. Check out pricepicks.com. Use the promo code locked on or go to your app store and download the app today. Price picks is daily fantasy made easy. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The other thing that is a takeaway from this game, I think, is rebounding. Because these were the two issues going into the season. It was, all right, how good is this zone going to be with new pieces and maybe a little less athleticism and quickness? How good is the center play going to be? The rebounding? Are we going to see an improvement in that regard? And Syracuse has always been bad at rebounding, even when they've had good zone defenses. But it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. If you're struggling rebounding and stopping the three-point line, then who is the team that you match up well against? Because I'm very concerned about the rebounding as well after I see Drexel and Colgate out-rebound us in the first three games. And that's been the problem, too. You think about last year. Syracuse could win games where they let up 80, 85 points, right? The offense was just good enough, but it was the games where they were getting out-rebounded that were absolutely killer for them. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I remember at one point, I think last year, they were like one in six in games that they got out-rebounded in at a certain point in the season. Whereas they were actually above 500 at a certain point. I don't Again, I don't have the final numbers in front of me, but they were above 500 when they allowed over 80 points in a game. So to me, the, the rebounding is the bigger part here because when you're giving up 19 second chance opportunities to a Colgate team that is smaller than you, that's a problem. That is a problem. Now, they're not significantly smaller than you to the degree that maybe a Drexel was, but that is going to be the bugaboo for this team. I'm a little more concerned, I think, with the rebounding than with the uh, the three-point defense because if you can secure those, like how many of those three-point shots came on second-chance opportunities, right? Right. On like the the tap-outs, and then you cycle one or two passes and it turns into a three. That's the problem is when you allow 43 threes to be shot, but I, I don't have the exact numbers of, how many of those threes came on second chances, but I'd imagine there was a decent amount of them. Yeah, I think there was like four or five offhand. I mean, there might have been more that they missed that they could have made as well. And Beheim brought that up post game. That's where Syracuse's two three zone is also all out of whack. And it's really right. easy to find an open three. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. true for any defense, right? Once you get an offensive rebound, that's something that Syracuse should be focusing on. Is if Jesse gets the ball, just kick it right out to Buddy or Joe. The problem is Jesse's not getting the ball a whole lot rebounding. And that's where it comes down to for me, these centers that yes, have they looked a little bit better? Have they made strides from last year? Maybe, but Jesse and Frank didn't even play for a part of the second half because we went to Jimmy and we were pressing and buddy was at the Ford and you're trying different stuff. And I just haven't seen enough physicality from the centers. Jesse should be mm-hmm. out there playing with more almost anger to his game. It feels yeah. like sometimes he needs to just go up and take rebounds away from guys. And instead, some of the Colgate guards were taking rebounds away from him. And we've talked about how these two have shown a different type of nastiness and physicality, but that's come on the offensive end, not necessarily on the defensive end. I, I still have been all right with what I've seen out of them offensively because you don't need a whole heck of a lot out of them. You need them defensively, and you need both Jesse and Frank rebounding the basketball. 
And Jesse comes away in this game with, what do you have? Eight rebounds, four of which came on the offensive end. I need to see that nastiness that you put together on the offensive end of the boards on the defensive side. And, and Frank, he plays nine minutes, gets one board in this game. I mean, that's the unacceptable yeah. stuff that you're working with here. I think we're trending towards, and this is something I talked about when we did our bold prediction, seeing a good amount of Jimmy at the five and seeing less of Frank maybe than we thought at the start of the year. And I'm not saying everyone was bad defensively and really the entire team played bad except for Joe Girard in this game. I mean, there were bits and pieces that you could point to from little plays here and there that guys stepped up. And like you said, Jesse's offense, he had an alley-oop dunk. He's doing yeah. some things on offense that are showing off some skills at the center position offensively that we haven't seen. But I wouldn't even say there's nastiness to his offensive game. I think he just needs to play with more nastiness as a whole. And especially when he's going up for rebounds, because there was one rebound in this game that sticks out to me. I think the score was 41, 41. Cause I jotted it down, but Jack Ferguson just comes in and sort of takes it away from him. And Jack Ferguson's a guard. And then there's another play where, Jesse and Jimmy sort of go for it at the same time and it goes out of bounds. I get it. That stuff happens. And that's just what happens when you lose games like this. It's a miscommunication, but Jesse needs to be going up and firmly bringing down these boards and, you know, playing with that nastiness that you need at the center position. He's a seven footer and he's playing like a guy that's not seven feet. I look at it too. We talk all the time with, with Jesse, with the foul issues, right? How much is that contributing to maybe some of the timidness that we see on the defensive end where, all right, he knows he can't necessarily go fly around because he's got three fouls. If he picks up that fourth, he's coming out of the game. He fouls out in this game. So how much does the foul trouble that he plays with contribute? And again, Frank had two in nine minutes here, two fouls, nine minutes. His leading statistic of the game was fouls. That, that can't happen with your big men. It just can't. Right. Yeah. I think my overall concern, and again, it's one game, We'll see what they do in the Bahamas. I, I think you brought up some good points on how that could favor them, the 2-3 zone. You have less time to prepare for in a setting like that, a tournament like that. They've usually been decent in those formats, but at the same time, they haven't been great in the non-conference for a while. And I just view this team right now as kind of more of the same, more of a middle-of-the-road ACC team. And in order to prove me wrong, you have to improve defense and rebounding. Yeah. And I don't really know how they improve. Like right now, Ken Palm defense, 116. They've got to get to, the I'd game, say, I think it's 76, if I'm remembering Yeah, correctly. so a big drop. I mean, you yeah. give up 100 to Colgate, that's going to happen. It still baffles me that that did happen. And they have to get probably to 50 on Ken Palm D to have the type of regular season that I think the fan base is hoping for. And I just don't know how they make that leap given that, yeah, so they got to get cleaner with rotations and figure out their lineups more, sure, but there's still those limitations defensively that are hard to ignore. And it comes down to personnel, right? I mean, it, hopefully this is one of those things where you figure out the right rotations, you figure out the right lineups to play at the right times. Again, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and bash Bayheim for, for the 2-3 zone defense and, and not figuring it out, but... Listen, I'm not going to let them have the training wheels on either, all right? You've had a little bit of time with this team. You had a full summer with this team. But by the time you get to conference play, and I'm not saying that the one the one game against Florida State, I'm saying when you get to the, the meat of conference play, the, when every game the rest of the way is ACC competition, this stuff needs to be figured out. It just has to. Yeah. 
All right, we'll get into some more thoughts in just a second. I want to talk a little bit about Benny Williams and some other takeaways from this game. But before we do that, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. And you have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars, they're chalky, they're waxy, they're hard to chew. A Built Bar is basically the exact opposite. It's soft. It's covered in 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. I love the Built Bars. I love all the different flavors they have for you. And the best part about it is it tastes like a candy bar, but somehow it is healthy for you. They're low carb, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, yet high in protein. It is the best of both worlds. They've got tons of great flavors to choose from. And this month, Built is coming out with new limited time flavors every three to four days. So check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Just go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, the promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So a couple other takeaways from this game. And I want to talk about the offense a little bit because, yes, they scored 85 points. They got off to a great start. Joe Girard's fabulous. I do think the teams are defending Syracuse a little bit different this year from a standpoint of they're locking down on the perimeter. They're making sure that the three-point shot doesn't burn them. And my concern is we have a very clear strength on offense, and we have very clear weaknesses as well. And if you lock down on our three-point shooters like they did, I mean, Tymere Torrance had tons of room to get in the lane. But the problem is he's not really finishing as well as maybe he can right. right now. The only times he did finish is when he got his own rebound, basically. And he can't shoot, really. And Benny's still struggling to shoot. So it's the concerns we talked about preseason a little bit where they don't necessarily have guys that can get their own shot maybe as much as you'd like or get in the lane as much as you'd like. And I give a lot of credit to Colgate because they made Syracuse beat him that way. Yeah, you look at players like buddy like what, what did buddy do pretty much out of the gate well not out of the gate because he actually was not a part of any of the scoring from that early 17-2 barrage um but he would try to shoot over the top of the guys at the free at the free throw line ish area and that's kind of that that move that we talked about with him last week that's semi-unstoppable in the case of buddy Beheim. and i just look at this team you're right there is a lot of space in that interior portion and that should be the area that guys like Benny and and the centers are thriving with and I think Joe Gerard's done a better job of trying to force the issue inside as well yep but I just haven't seen a whole lot of improvement from anyone besides Buddy and Gerard really offensively and this should be one of those things where okay at some point Cole Swider has to wake up right because we thought he was going to be the second leading scorer and might even narrow the gap between Buddy and and Cole, but at this point, it's it's kind of been the same thing after same thing. It's just lackluster offensive performances and struggles to get him into double digits. And if he does get there, it comes late because he he only gets about 10, 11 points. So there's a lot of these guys that need sort of need to step up, step up offensively, which is crazy to think with a team that scored 85 points. Yeah. I guess that's a good thing, right? Because Cole yeah. Strider hasn't been playing great. They've still been scoring and you brought it up earlier. I think it was a good point. Who's the third option? We thought maybe Gerard was going to be the third option and there was going to be a Benny or a Cole or even Jimmy Beheim would step into that second spot. Right now, the guys that are 
potentially the third option are just not giving you enough offensively or defensively. And on the note of Benny, we did the podcast last week. We put up the headline, are you worried about Benny Williams after two mm-hmm. games? A lot of people commented and said, let's let's slow the roll here. Let's calm down. And if you listen to the podcast, we're not awfully worried. It's just That's we want to talk about is Benny. Slow down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just right. kind of that, wanted that was, to lay out the, the we progression We used plan. it mm-hmm. right, as a way to talk about Benny. I'm still not saying I'm worried from a standpoint of he's not going to be good at Syracuse at any point or he's a bust or don't get me wrong here, but he's minus 28 in this game, which Beheim brought up afterwards in a plus minus. I know a lot of people don't really care for that statistic, but even Beheim said he doesn't really care for it. And that's a tough number to argue. The thing that I keep coming back to is his shot. And it's just feels like it's pretty far away from getting to a point where he's comfortable. I mean, he had an open three in this game and he airballed it. And like Beheim said, how is he going to contribute offensively? It's tough to contribute offensively when you're not shooting well. And I just don't know if the shot's going to get better overnight. But I think he still can be a really, really solid asset for you inside. I mean, he may only be six foot eight, six foot nine, but his athletic ability can make him play like he's six ten, six foot eleven. I think he can do stuff around the rim and, and like the layup packages that he probably has in his arsenal too, with his athleticism. I'd like to see him attack inside and be a little more vicious. We've seen some of the dunks, and I think we could see a few more of them. He just has to kind of tailor his game. Kind of reminds me a little bit of what we saw with Marek when he was at Syracuse. He was so good inside, and then he started to slowly back his way out further and further and shoot that mid-range jump shot. I think we could sort of see some of the same thing with someone like Benny Williams. He definitely does need to be more assertive, more aggressive inside. Because once he gets in the lane right now, all he's doing is looking to pass, it feels like. And Beheim brought it up post-game. He said, if he's looking to pass, teams understand that, and he's turning it over a lot. Yeah. No, it's one of those things where I think he almost needs to maybe involve himself a little bit in some pick-and-roll game with Gerard because – he can be that athletic finisher near the rim. I really do think he can be that. And he has sort of shown that too with some of his dunks and stuff like that as well. So I, I just need to see a little more nastiness on the offensive side and a little more assertiveness. I think he actually was decently assertive in this game on his two pointers. He went three for four, um, had seven points. But at the end of the day, like it, you're right. It does come down to the jump shot. And right now it's not there, but that doesn't mean there aren't other ways to score the basketball. Yeah. I guess the overall concern is if the jump shot is pretty far away right now, it just might take longer for him to get to the point where he's a true impact scorer and he's playing like maybe we thought he would be as a five-star. And guess what? He doesn't have to be an impact scorer for this team to have success. He just doesn't. I think you, you need someone like Cole Swider to be an impact scorer more than you need someone like Benny Williams to. Yeah. And... Cole's shaky too right now. He's gotten yeah. foul trouble in this game, but I don't know. I'm overall, I, I think the pieces that are new struggling out of the gates is totally normal. Like Cole finding his way here. I get it. I just, again, it comes back to this is probably going to be a team like we've seen in recent years from Syracuse where they might struggle in the battle for Atlantis. They're going up against a pretty good competition there. Their defense probably isn't ready for that right now they'll probably get it together at some point here. And I think the two, three zone is the right play long-term and I'm not awfully worried. It's just, we probably shouldn't be viewing this team as a top four team in the ACC. Well, 
if you look at the rest of the ACC, there's a way that Syracuse slides into that top four because no sure. one is playing well in the ACC. So you might fall upwards into a top four spot, but you're not playing like a true top four team in any conference right now. Right. All right. Well, those are our basketball thoughts, and I'm sure we'll have more throughout the week. We also will have live reaction podcast or Immediately after the games, we'll be reacting this week to all the Bahamas games. First one, Wednesday against VCU, set for a 3.30 tip. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse because we'll be live tweeting all these games. We'll probably sneak into football thoughts throughout the week as well here or there because that was an ugly one against NC State. We'll get you guys ready for the pit game on Saturday. It's a busy week of Syracuse sports and hopefully going to be a better week of Syracuse sports than the last busy weekend that we had last weekend but follow the show wherever you get your podcast totally free thank you guys for making us your first listen every single weekday we're here with you also check us out on youtube if you haven't already totally free to subscribe there as well and we will talk to you guys soon